Hello and welcome to the Denton's Privacy Pod, the podcast series from Denton's leading privacy and cybersecurity group, telling you what you need to know now in bite-sized chunks about the latest issues, risks and trends in data protection and cybersecurity around the globe. Uh, my name is Simon Elliott. I'm a partner in the privacy and cyber uh, team based in London. In this episode, we'll be looking at what you need to know now about data protection litigation risk in the UK. Is this now a real risk? Are we moving towards class action type litigation? And is there anything you can be doing to prepare for this now? Joining me to answer these questions, I have Nick Graham, a partner in our London team and global chair of the Denton's Privacy and Cybersecurity Group, and Campbell Forsyth, a partner and litigator in our technology and IP teams, um, again based in London, and Campbell has acted on a number of uh, significant data protection cases in the UK. So Nick, starting with you, um, do you mind just helping us get a bit of background to this? In the run-up to GDPR, there was quite a lot of talk about uh, surges in, in privacy litigation coming down the track. Uh, has that come to pass or what's the current state of the market? I don't think we've seen a surge as such, but we have seen some particular examples that I would say are signals as to what is coming down the track. Obviously, under GDPR, there are, uh, for the first time, express rights for certain not-for-profits to, to make mass claims for compensation. It, go, it does go slightly wider than that. It also covers mass complaints, interestingly. Um, but in terms of the flashpoints and the sort of indication that, hey, the tide is turning, uh, we're obviously familiar with the Vidal Hall case of a few years ago, which actually settled, this was in connection with browser-generated information and established some basic points about the right to claim compensation for non-material damage. Uh, the biggest case at the moment though, in that regard is Lloyd v. Google, again, uh, in connection with uh, browser-generated information. And the key point is, in principle, it allows you to claim damages for loss of control of data. So the mere fact that I have lost control of my data maybe somebody's used it, monetized it, further debate to be had on that, means I'm eligible to claim damages. Uh, in that context, you've got a separate debate uh, around the legal uh, procedure for making those claims. Uh, and Lloyd v. Google is, of course, a representative action. There's also a possibility of a group litigation order. Um, but it does indicate a much broader risk, not just in connection with data breach, uh, such as breaches such as BA, uh, but also, as I say, claiming damages for loss of control of data. So that would potentially be relevant to ad tech, um, which is an indication as to how broad this could go and, and is one of the sort of signal points, I think, that we've got as to what might be coming down the track in this area. Thanks very much, Nick. Uh, so Campbell, turning to you, Nick's mentioned already a couple of the different types of claims that, that, that can be brought. Uh, perhaps for our listeners that aren't so close to the litigation elements of this, can you just perhaps give a bit more detail of of what these look like and what's um, available to potential claimants. Thanks, Simon. Yes, the, the courts in the UK have uh, developed um, three main areas to allow for these types of cases to be brought. The first one is group litigation orders, then there's also representative actions, and finally multiple joint claimants. The, the first two are probably the main ones relevant for uh, data privacy. Um, the, uh, the first one, allows cases to be brought where there are multiple claimants and those claims have a commonality related issues and uh, they generally call this an opt-in type of um, order which means that the parties have to choose to join it they can uh, potentially be quite drawn out and slightly more expensive 
as a result of the way that it's structured. Uh, the um, reality of how many people will join those actions is still something that's unclear. There have been reports that the take up may not be as high as people expected. Uh, representative actions, on the other hand, um, are what's known as an opt out. In other words, once permission has been given to have a representative action, a party has to choose to uh, leave it. Um, now, uh, the most uh, probably high profile case in this area is the Lloyd and Google and the recent Court of Appeal case on that, uh, which effectively, as Nick said, identified that um, individual personal data can have a, an intrinsic economic value and that loss of control uh, of that can be a, a, effectively a violation of the right to privacy. And therefore, when you lose, uh, you don't have the requirement to show individual damages, combined with the fact that the court uh, effectively found that a data breach um, can mean that the party subject to that data breach can have the same interests. means that representative actions may be something that become uh, more attractive to parties in uh, this sphere going forwards. Uh, multiple joint claimants is something that's been available to the courts um, for many years, and effectively it's an efficient way of allowing a number of claimants to be on the same claim where they have a, a commonality of interest. It, it seems on the basis of the type of case we'll get here that, that will not be something that is um, necessary because the actions would probably fall into either a group litigation order or representative action depending on the specific facts. Now, the, the question is, you know, why is this important? Well, it's important because obviously in the nature of a data breach, because of the numbers involved and the number of individuals, um, these can um, create significant um, and very large numbers very quickly on not just on legal costs, but also on potential damages. And I think there is a second factor to play into this, which is that unusually in the UK, compared with continental Europe, over the last um, 15 odd years, the UK has developed a very um, clear alternative funding system, third party funding, adverse cost insurance, and um, conditional fee agreements and damages based agreements for lawyers, something which isn't really available in the rest of continental Europe. And together with this alternate funding arrangements, which seems to, from the um, report case, have been used in many of these actions, and um, the nature of group litigation, it creates a dynamic that requires significant thought because of the significant issues that they can raise upon a case being started in the context of a, of a large data breach. Thanks, Campbell. And so, so Nick, uh, we, we've heard now that this is a growing trend. Campbell's outlines very nicely the, the, the kind of the, 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 the avenues that are available to, 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 to claimants. You know, what are the types of breaches that organisations should really be starting to think that this could become a risk about? So I think the most obvious example, and this is going to be with us for a while, is data security. So breach of security. Um, but if I can just add an extra layer to that comment, which is it's not just breach of security or a leak of data. It's a breach involving a failure to comply with GDPR. So in other words, the level of security that you had in place wasn't sufficient. So your classic scenario would be breach of security with the, the supervisory authority, the ICO or whoever paying attention and deciding that this might be uh, you know, inf an infringement and therefore deserving of enforcement action. That would be typical recipe for an issue. Um, but as I've alluded to previously, you know, loss of control is a much broader concept. Also a breach of GDPR 
Um, and so it could, that loss of control issue could clearly affect sort of uh, a mess up in connection with collecting cookie consents, uh, some sort of ad tech data sharing breach. You know, I was even thinking the other week, what about Shrems 2? Um, difficult to do a podcast with at the moment without mentioning Shrems 2. Well, if my data has been shared and uh, uh, potentially uh, disclosed to uh, public authorities or third parties, and that's outside of GDPR permissioning, um, and compliance, uh, doesn't that itself mean there's been a loss of control and so I'm entitled to compensation? There's another interesting argument. So I think there are lots of kind of loose ends here that could be exploited and we've got to be trying to anticipate them. And that goes in terms of mitigating to obviously having good data handling practices, but I think trying to anticipate where these arguments may be deployed. Uh, and it's not always in the obvious data security breach scenario, although that would be a pretty obvious example. Um, uh, you know, and, and another thing that people could think about is tracking carefully and reacting to customer complaints, because that can be an indicator that something might be wrong. So watch the dashboard, you know, think about having an early warning system. If customers or uh, individual data subjects are complaining, does that deserve further investigation? I mean, again, those are, that's a good practical step to take amongst many others to try and uh, mitigate the, the possible risk. Thanks, Nick. So, Campbell, I guess you mentioned, obviously, that there are some practical considerations depending on the different types of, uh, of forms that these claims uh, can take. Are you able to expand on that a bit and just sort of what can customers and what can organisations be doing now to, to prepare for that? Yes, so the, obviously, because there are a variety of facts and a variety of routes available, there will be a lot of different issues that may arise. But... Uh, one of the factors that does seem to be fairly um, universal is that we have a system in England based on our history of the last 20 years of allowing alternate fee arrangements and allowing um, uh, adverse cost insurance. And that has arisen in a number of these cases as specific and very important issues relating to the way these actions are funded and dealt with. And so um, being aware of and understanding that um, tangential but very important related issue uh, is important in, a, in understanding how these actions will be um, prosecuted. Um, another aspect is that depending on the type of action may require significant um, structural uh, frameworks of uh, management to deal with uh, significant numbers of actions, for example in a group litigation um, action uh, and you need to have the ability to work with organizations that can not just provide the um, excellent uh, high quality advice in dealing with a main substantive case and understand not just the substantive issues that Nick has been talking about but also the um, procedural and um, ancillary issues on funding and litigation that I've mentioned but also being able to deal with vast volumes of um, uh, cases in potentially in county court level. And so there is a, in addition to any group litigation order, so there is a requirement to find that sweet spot of organizations. I say a requirement, it would seem sensible. The same organization assists with um, multiple um, ways in the same action to create that synergy. So looking at that in advance will obviously give an advantage to understanding how you would react when this happens because time is short obviously when you actually are presented with these issues so it would seem uh, in general that um 
for, forward planning on these issues can give a good idea as to a lot of the issues that you may need to deal with and also inform you of what you might want to be doing in advance with um, you know, Nick and yourself to understand what they can do to try to avoid those issues happening because some of them are, are difficult and challenging. Thanks, Campbell. Well, I think that's given us a really good sort of overview of, of where we are at the market at the minute. So maybe if I could just to finalise, um, ask each of you just to take give one key takeaway for our listeners in terms of the, the, the current position and what they should be thinking about now. So Nick, if I can start with you. Sure. So I, I would say my, my key thought is the tide is definitely turning. I mean, there was a time when class actions were uh, very rare. There was very little litigation. Those that that's that's no longer the case. And I think we got some pretty clear signals as to where this could go in quite a broad range of legal areas within GDPR. And I think so. Now is the time to think about well, what happens if you get a claim form uh, or uh, are in receipt of. Uh, legal procedure in this area. How do you respond practically, you know, to hundreds or indeed thousands of claims being received? So it's a bit like a data breach. You plan for it, you anticipate it, uh, and it feels to me like now is the time to to start that. Thanks, Campbell. Your view? Um, very much <clears throat> reflecting what uh, Nick just said. You know, preemptive planning uh, would seem to be the most useful way of mitigating your risk um, on the event of a of a a potential data breach and understanding how you will react to that with some sensible strategic planning, uh, pre-litigation planning and responses, which doesn't require you to know specifics about what is actually being presented to you, but knows how you'll react. And that should in turn potentially inform some risk mitigations in the way you're handling um, personal information as well. Fantastic. Well, my thanks to to you both, Nick and, and Campbell, for your, for your help going through this today. We hope that's given you some key insights into the current state of data protection litigation risks and some food for thought on what you can do now to, to be preparing for this. If you'd like to discuss anything um, or uh, have any ideas on future topics you'd like us to cover in, a, in an episode, please do get in touch. The details are on our Denton's Privacy Pod website. Many thanks for listening. <laughs>